This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Thursday, 2nd of February, 2023, and we are a day after an interesting FOMC meeting where we saw uh, Fed Chair Powell essentially failing to push back against these market expectations for where the Fed is going with policy. There was the retention in the monetary policy statement of this phrase about further increases, uh, plural, in the fund uh, policy rate, but there was a money phrase or two in the press conference indicating they they recognize they're reaching uh, sort of the last shreds of what they're going to do for now on the tightening side. And it emboldened the market both to mark the Fed a little bit lower further out the curve, uh, rates falling a little bit, eight, nine basis points across the curve, but especially unleashing a bit more risk on uh, as we see uh, very key levels in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100 giving way yesterday, full risk on a benign Fed not really wanting to make a huge statement or indicate that it was protesting too much against where the market was pricing it. There were even some very specific questions to that effect in the press conference that were not sort of answered very forcefully. So the market did feel emboldened, as indicated. And I I put up actually the the SPY ETF and not the S&P 500 future on our slide too, because you get a a sort of a warped picture because of the uh, fair pricing and dividends, et cetera, and the forward price uh, on, on the futures when you roll the futures contract or as the futures contract is traded through times, whereas the cash index has its own technicals. And you can see that we we pushed up above those uh, highs uh, from November, December last year. Uh, not terribly convincing on the close, but uh, it was still a very strong day. Uh, what are you seeing, Peter? Uh, what, you know, the sectors that were outperforming and and uh, what you're seeing in this market after this, after this event yesterday? Well, it's the animal spirits, I guess. Uh, if you look at the one-year momentum, you can see that the, a lot of the the bad the bad themes from last year are still the ones that are rallying uh, this year and uh, yesterday as well in the session um so it, it it seems like we have an equity market that is getting um priced for perfection uh, as we already talked about it i mean if you look at the equity valuation on a 12 uh, 12 months forward basis in the S&P 500 we 1.2 standard deviation above the average to since 2007 so even if if you exclude the bubbly levels we had during the peak and the, during the pandemic and the opening so back in 2001 we had some of the highest valuations if you strip out that part of the distribution um i find it quite perplexing i think it's very much to do with you know we have on these animal spirits the the fed is not pushing back um the equity risk premium the discount rate on, on cash flows um, not really being impacted here you also had the u.s 10-year yield coming down yesterday obviously also a massive boost and i, I I, I, you know, and we have low uh, easing financial conditions. And I think what is scary here is that if you, if you, if you put in the, uh, if, you, if you look at slide three and you look at Powell's uh, favorite indicators, as he has called it, the job openings data, which we got yesterday, and you divide that with the number of unemployed people in the economy, you sort of get a sense of, uh, you know, how many people that are, that are actually, uh, how many job openings that are chasing chasing an, an employee of those that are not switchers but don't uh, don't have a job and you can see here it 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 came back very hard we're very close to an all-time high i mean the 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 market is very tight the wage growth median is trickling down a little bit but it's still above six percent the job switchers is a little bit less than eight percent 
I think it's it's um maybe maybe John we just really unleash so much stimulus that even a policy rate at, at these current levels is 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 just not enough. Um I, I find it very interesting. I think the the thing that could happen here in the market and where we get spooked is actually if uh, if suddenly during the year that that we really if we come to realization that holy holy mow the uh, the inflation is really sticking and it's sticking at a much higher level than we thought. That that what we buy would be my uh, key concern here as an equity investor because that is the thing that could take the animal spirits out and and really see an equity risk premium going higher. Yeah, well, the market is not pricing for inflation to return in any meaningful sense. We have a full 50 basis points of cuts uh, priced this year. We're getting to where the uh, the policy rate is below uh, or the anticipated policy rate is below where the actual um, uh, two-year rate is. For, uh, sorry, where the actual rate is, of course, but even something like the two-year is, is getting to be 40, 50 basis points below the actual rate. And we're expecting 200. We have 200 basis points of rate cuts in the pipeline through the end of 2024. Now, uh, that's not a cycle record, as, and I'll, I'll show in a later slide. But uh, other side effects here, of course, uh, from this move with risk sentiment on with the Fed seen as benign is no huge surprise to see the dollar at new lows. We have 110 plus trading in euro dollar, uh, dollar and sliding back below 129 and well so overnight. Although it's a bit of a rebound uh, this morning and the likes of Aussie and, and Canada advancing versus the U.S. dollar here. Um, yeah, and you you put up that um, that Joel's uh, survey tightening, or sorry, the job openings uh, survey with his latest January data point there on slide three. And then just uh, to the point of where the Fed is priced now, you can see it on slide four. I put my little uh, chart with the, you know, the next, uh, what is it, seven or so uh, euro dollar interest rate contract, starting with the June one, uh, which is not changing much, obviously. It's it's the the... the part of the curve where the Fed is expected to move is getting towards the end of this year where they're pricing for more uh, for more easing or some easing. And uh, looking forward, we have been a little bit easier in terms of the expectations uh, out into late uh, 2024, as you can see the, the lightest gray ones there, but there was quite a move, that big notch upward. And you can see that reflected as well in the two-year uh, yield chart on the right, where we're getting close to those cycle lows and not that far from uh, 4%. Pretty remarkable when we have the policy now uh, right now at 45 to four and three quarters percent. And, and then the comparison with the ECB, where we're looking at 150 basis points of uh, plus of tightening, are they gonna deliver on that on that forward guidance uh, today? I think they might deliver, but I think getting it above that is, is what I uh, have a hard time uh, seeing them do. Uh, and then jumping to you, Ola, since you're as, of course on this uh, podcast as well, a really inconsistent picture here and a very complacent picture. I mean, gold is, is flying. It loves this uh, easy financial conditions together with the Fed uh, looking benign here dollar lower. Um, but but it looks like, I guess, maybe from the crude oil uh, you know, settling lower, it's it's this whole soft landing scenario, some kind of bizarre, bizarre benign cycle. I'm, I'm overusing the word benign. Apologies for that. Uh, you know, the soft landing cycle being one where growth comes down a bit, inflation comes down heavily enough, but there's nothing sufficiently alarming in the uh, in credit spreads and the normal recessionary dynamics to to excite worries. But take us through uh, crude oil here and uh, and gold for sure after this FOMC meeting. Yeah, we uh, we saw uh, gold, uh, sorry, oil basically start uh, February with on the back foot here. We uh, we we had quite a bit of a, a drop again yesterday, down on more than two percent. Uh, the uh, the weakness was uh, was added after we uh, we had another weekly uh, inventory jump uh, in the U.S. I put in some of the slides there on slide seven, 
the crude inventories, gasoline, uh, especially Cushing, which is uh, hitting the highest level since uh, mid-2021. Uh, and that's uh, having a, having an impact on spreads, uh, basically having uh, and under putting a WTI on under some relative pressure. We had that recent strong buildup in speculative length uh, based on the China economic recovery. And I think the, what we're getting right now is just a reality check. The market is uh, uh, still firmly believing or seeing a, a recovery in China, but uh, we probably just have to a little be be a bit more patient with regard to the the actual impact in the physical market. So that's why it's also been been taking out some of that. China uh, premium uh, during the past uh, past week or, or two, and in addition, we're still waiting to uh, get a firm grip on the impact of the the sanctions against Russian uh, fuel exports uh, from next week. Uh, what what that will do to uh, global balances, but uh, but generally, a market right now uh, torn between the, the the slowdown on one side and the Chinese China pickup on the other. Added with a spice with a spiced up with a bit of a supply worry from Russia, and that's just leaving here in this uh, relatively. Uh, well, at this point, narrowing range. And you mentioned uh, gold. Let's obviously just take a look at that as well. Um, gold, gold really liked that uh, that uh, the 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 announcement yesterday. The 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 comment that we're into a disinflationary cycle now is uh, was uh, it gave it some further further wings. We have seen uh, real yields uh, drop to uh, a couple of months low this morning in in the in the ten year area. So uh, gold basically surged higher, and we're getting close to that. Uh, 76.4% retracement, which is the next uh, key level of uh, resistance. And I think particularly what we learned this week was that any any weakness is uh, is met by strong demand. And uh, and part of that we 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 do know is is the physical world, which uh, has been bidding up gold quite uh, quite heavily uh, in recent months. And uh, it does indicate that investors still want to get in, get involved. And uh, that was the the rejection at 1900 earlier in the week. Uh, also, what we're seeing, which is uh, I think a bit uh, uh, supportive here is the fact that silver is actually also managing to join the join in on this rally. Silver has been lagging somewhat recently, and uh, but but yesterday and today as well, it's it's actually outperforming uh, gold. So the so the ratio is coming down, which I think is a is a healthy sign for for anyone looking for further further increases at this point. Yeah, and to be fair, with some of the market's reaction yesterday in terms of rates, we did get some somewhat softer U.S. data. We got the uh, ADP payrolls uh, growing only a hundred, a little over hundred k versus the 180, I think it was expected. And uh, there was a slight revision upwards to the 200, I think it was 250 after the revision uh, yesterday. We got saw the ISM manufacturing coming in a bit softer than expected, but well below 50. And uh, the jolts was the mismatch, but the market is referring to uh, see the glass half full, I suppose, on uh, the soft landing scenario. But uh, I don't know which you put this uh, slide in or uh, chart in on slide five, but it just does show that uh, A, there's, there's not much expectations around inflation uh, in terms of its uh, the risks we have inflation expectations very low and this will bring to mind if if inflation does perform as the forward market is pricing you know is it a soft landing scenario or is it because the recession is so so brutal that that it, that's the only way to get through uh, i would argue only a brutal recession is is the only path towards significantly lower in, inflation but with any thoughts uh, either of you would like to uh, add to that to those comments on the on the slide five on the long-term inflation i think just to simply the risk that uh, the market is too optimistic and uh, and i think that's still one uh, one where we urge caution uh yes inflation will continue to come down over the coming months but uh, what happens after then uh especially also what peter just mentioned about the uh, job growth and wages and so on so so it's just just highlighting the uh, what the market is priced in and uh, if that doesn't happen well then obviously there has to be a 
uh, rebalancing uh, across markets if if we start to see those move higher again. I I think that it shows that the market is not really understood, and that of course is, is the assumption that we got it right. But it the that there hasn't been a regime shift that it was <clears throat> overall transitory, uh, um, just on a longer time scale than the Fed uh, anticipated in the beginning. That is what the market is pricing. That there is no overall change in the structural. Uh, the structure of the global economy, and <clears throat> the uh, the listeners of our podcast will know that we we find that very very unlikely. And the world has changed, and we we have left one regime, which was called unconstrained globalization, and we're moving into a, a different regime. And you know, I think with the talks here in Europe about uh, a European version of the Inflation Reduction Act, I, I think it sets up a stage also with what China is doing that. We're moving into a, an era of uh, nation states and, and much more involvement from the government side. And, you know, some of the private sector demand destruction that we have seen on high interest rate has just been met by, you know, continuously high government spending and even expansion. And the, the European Inflation Reduction Act would, would, would just add another another jolt of, of stimulus or impulse into the economy. So, uh, uh, and and you know the physical world is still tight and we have demographics in the the western world that will suck people out of the labor market exactly when we need more and we need to do a lot of investments in the physical world i could go on and on it's a, it's a very long discussion and maybe it's for a special edition podcast at one point so that would be my take on inflation john yeah and then that brings us to today's bank of england and ecb meetings uh the preview there and, and i think that the key here is Again, how much is priced uh, for the ECB relative to the Fed? And we have a market that is very strongly believing the ECB and not believing the Fed. I think it's a it's to me it's at least uh, from a from a trading perspective seems a classic setup for a sell the fact on the euro. But of course, we I'm not going to put my money where my mouth is on that. We did have a significant break higher. We are trading above 110 at times at least this morning, and we have dipped a little bit back below uh, a couple times. You know, again, delivering a marginal additional uh, hawkishness above what is already priced. Of course, the euro dollar can go higher without that necessarily, but that has to be on the further risk sentiment or, or sorry, risk on uh, not necessarily from these yield spreads continuing to to converge in the favor of uh, the euro. In fact, that two year, two year forward that I've talked about before is now essentially at parity. So the idea that in two years, the, the two year yield in the EU and the US will be the same. I find that a very difficult one to swallow. And I'm, I'd like to put my flag in the ground and, and somehow check back in, in two years time on February 2nd, 2025 to see what the difference difference in those yields is. But we see the FX board there on slide six. We're also putting your dollar chart showing the dollar weakness returning. Uh, of course, uh, Aussie strength, Euro strength. You're also strong versus the sterling. And I mentioned the Bank of England today, where I think uh, there's more of a risk and tendency for the market to suspect that also, because we see your sterling uh, banging on the top of the range there, that the Bank of England is, is looking for excuses to soften up a little bit after delivering another 50 basis points today, which the ECB is also expected to deliver, and and then maybe loosening up for for less you know less committal to forward tightening. Interesting to see how the market absorbs that. I think that's somewhat in expectations, uh, but um, not necessarily in the price for something like sterling versus the dollar, where those yield spreads have been declining, meaning where it's more about the dollar being sold on uh, on, on sentiment as well, and, and global liquidity and enthusiasm for risky assets more than the uh, relative central bank uh, situation. All right, let's uh, enough talk about central banks here. Uh, we have uh, stocks to watch. It is the day, is it not, uh, Peter, for earnings? And we had Meta reporting uh, late yesterday. Yeah, Meta reported yesterday. And uh, 
uh, one of my headlines for today's equity note is that greed trumps idealism. And and I mean by that, that you know investors three months ago after the previous earnings release, when Meta showed an, uh, an, an ugly disconnect from reality that they, they were afraid of the operating expense level and the CapEx level. And I think Mark Zuckerberg listened. He, he, he does care about money after all and where the share price is. So you don't have a brain uh, drain uh, from not being able to deliver uh, interesting stock compensation. So I think the, you know, skip the headline, you know, drop the headlines about, you know, revenue uh, beat and, and, and earnings, et cetera. That's not really and the engagement. That was not what the market was taking away from that earnings release. It was the fact that the reported guidance on this fiscal year's operating expense and CapEx level came way below where the estimates and the market was clearly pricing it. Um, so I think in the, and at the end of the day, Meta will go for the same end goal. They are bidding heavily on the on the Metaverse. It's fine, but they're stretching out the the, the time uh, the time horizon for, for for getting to that end goal. And Meta shares were up twenty percent uh, in in extended trading. Very 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 strong response there. And uh, what a rebound! Almost feels like Tesla. Some of the uh, earnings to watch and co- stocks to watch in the in the early hours of trading here in Europe is, uh, of course, Infineon Technologies. The shares were up the last time I checked, 6%. Very strong uh, guidance for the year, especially on the margin side. Um, Infineon is a very broad, well-diversified semiconductor manufacturer, but I think the second largest in semiconductors into the car industry, and they, they're betting heavily on the uh, EV transition there. So interesting results there. And then Shell... Uh, strong pricing still, very uh, you know amazing cost discipline, and uh, they had a oil and gas output that was uh, <clears throat> that was larger than estimated by the market, and that drove a beat on the on the bottom line, and they also raised the dividends above expectations. So quite solid there from one of Europe's largest oil and gas majors. And if we move to the next slide, uh, we we have the calendar for uh, for the day, and it is the big day. So we have the three companies, the the three. The trifecta factor uh, of the of the, the technology sectors: Apple, Alphabet, and and Amazon. And I've highlighted in the uh, quarterly financial snippet there on slide ten, um, <clears throat> Apple's quarterly earnings. And as you can see, the market is expecting a, a decline on revenue for the fourth quarter. Um, our calendar quarter, the Apple is not fo- their fiscal year is not following the the actual calendar quarter. But the fourth quarter, last year, calendar wise, uh, negative growth as you can see, minus two percent expected, and then unchanged for uh, for this Q1 we're in right now. And then, um, well, I think that we have got so many news um, that, you know, things are deteriorating in the consumer electronics, but maybe, I mean, Apple have shown time and time again that they they have a very robust ecosystem, regardless of a slowdown in the in the hardware. So, um, uh, and I would say with the the animal spirits that have, that have, spirits that have been unleashed uh, also by Powell, Powell's comments yesterday, if these three companies or just two of them surprise to the upside, and especially on the outlook, I wouldn't be surprised, and you can correct me if you think differently, John. It's always good to have different opinion, but then I wouldn't be surprised to see a pretty strong rally into the into the weekend. Yeah, all right, and also it could be interesting if the Fed comes out as, as somebody I saw commenting and is really dissatisfied with what the market is doing and and taking the uh, uh, the business mouth and running with it. Uh, that the the Fed is just giving the green signal for a, a crazy. A run up in risk sentiment, but um, yeah, let's see if there's some follow up on the Fed communications. I think that's a small risk, and also risk is the economic calendar. If we get some data, I, I would love some data that surprises either on the strong side strongly or on the weak side weakly, so we get a sense of what the market is fearing and what would rub the market the wrong way and what would uh, further support this rally. So, uh, before looking at today's stuff, let's look at tomorrow's, and that's the job support. So. 
Uh, would a, a strong hourly earnings uh, surprise after what looks like a declining trend? Would that uh, get some attention uh, and or uh, a strong uh, payrolls change, et cetera? And then the ISM services I've talked uh, too much about in recent podcasts. So I, I think that's a good, it would be great to get a positive surprise. I think uh, it's not going to be an issue if this this data is sort of in line or, or just confusing if one is slightly stronger or weaker. Uh, but today we do have the uh, Bank of England, as you can see, on slide 11 in the rundown here. And it is a Bailey press conference. As usual, there's also the latest refresh on inflation forecast. So even if you get something not terribly clear in the statement, uh, sometimes you can you can sort of read between the lines if they've adjusted their inflation uh, forecasts significantly. The economy is looking bad, but not as bad as it was looking. Uh, and, and interesting to see how fearful they are of, of pulling the trigger on further guidance after they seem so reluctant to, for most of this rate hike cycle. ECB also up again, uh, very aggressively priced. Uh, how do they deliver? I, I have a hard time seeing them go above what's already uh, in the guidance or what's already in the pipeline in terms of expectations. And we have the latest weekly claims. Those have been running extremely lowly, uh, or sorry, extremely low and getting towards within 20K or so, I believe of the, uh, the biggest, uh, the all-time lows we saw uh, earlier last year. Uh, Lagarde press conference for those that uh, enjoy uh, a painful process or a painful uh, thing to, to experience. And uh, Swiss National Bank's Thomas Jordan now speaking. I thought that was an interesting one, just uh, if there's anything new coming from him. All right. I think uh, that is definitely a wrap for today. And uh, very interesting to see if this market reaction is sustained and if the U.S. data on tomorrow gets in the way uh, or encourages what we've seen unleashed by this uh Devish Reed, basically, on the FOMC meeting and the Powell Press Conference. We'll be back tomorrow with the Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>